Hey everyone, welcome back to Operations, the show where we look under the hood of companies in hypergrowth. My name is Sean Lane. Believe it or not, we're already 18 episodes into the show. And one of the things I've been doing is going back and listening to earlier episodes to see if we can continue to find ways to improve the show. And I realized that I've been slacking on a promise that I made in our very first episode. In addition to bringing you operations leaders from some of the fastest growing companies around, I also made a commitment that every once in a while, we would take you inside of Drift to talk about some of the things that we're doing on our operations team at Drift. Some of those nitty gritty, some of those tactical things that we're doing inside the business. So I figured it was high time that I do that. With a little help from two of my colleagues, Drift's VP of Strategy, Adam Schoenfeld, and our Marketing Operations Manager, Lynn Tan. Before we jump in, let me try out a little hypothetical with you. Imagine you are inviting a friend to a party. You call them up, tell them all these amazing things about the party, invite them to come, and then immediately hang up before you tell them any more details about when it is, how to get there, or when you're gonna need to show up. Then your friend, who's understandably confused, picks up the phone and they try to call you back to get more details, and they hear this. We're sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. Look, I get that this sounds like a ludicrous example, but it's not far off from the way some people approach marketing emails today. We have these big fancy emails and campaigns that people put a ton of time and effort into, but they don't create any way for the conversation to continue. We use no reply email addresses or we send any sort of responses into this giant black hole that no one pays attention to. Sound familiar? That's where a product called Sifrock entered the picture for our team at Drift. Drift acquired Sifrock in September of 2019, and today we're gonna to take you through exactly how we set it up and how we use it internally at Drift to help us cut through the noise, drive more meaningful conversations with our customers, and I'm gonna take you through a tactic that we now use to level up every single email send at Drift. But first, I realized that even though we acquired this company over a year ago, I didn't even know that much about how it got started. So I asked Adam Schoenfeld, previously the CEO at Sifrock and now Drift's VP of Strategy, to give me a history lesson. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we've never talked about this, Sean. I know. It's crazy. So the original founder of Sifrock was Chris Hunley, who was the CTO and he's now a director of engineering at Drift. And he started it. It was his idea. I joined a little bit into his journey to be the ex post facto co-founder CEO. What he did was basically he went out and started talking to VPs of marketing that he knew about different problems they were having with email specifically. And this just kept coming up. People would say, hey, we have this inbox where all our replies go. And it seems like there's some useful information in there. And sometimes people write back and we want to talk to them. But I have like my marketing ops person or like my junior demand gen person having to spend hours going through that inbox. Like, is this a problem that technology could solve? And he basically went and built a prototype for a couple of those marketing leaders that he knew and it immediately struck a chord. And he decided to basically found a business around that and thought there was this opportunity on making email more two-way and kind of managing the responses that people get back. So, you know, as conversational marketing makes your website into a conversation, saw this opportunity to make marketing email, even at high volume, high scale, more of a two-way conversational medium. And what were most people doing that he was talking to at that time in lieu of a solution like the one he had decided to start creating? 
It's a great question. Yeah. So there were two flavors that we saw. Number one was they had somebody checking it once a week, once a day, whatever, and spending time like sifting through all of the emails there, pun intended for sift drive. The second thing we saw, which is super painful, is they just were ignoring it or didn't even know it existed. Or maybe they had like given up and put a no reply address on their marketing emails. And so as you started to dig in and start to get to know the business, how was it that you guys were able to translate this this new way of doing it into a value add for people, right? Because I could totally see having this conversation. And if you if the only way you know of doing things is one of those two methods you talked about, either checking and sifting through them or two, just flat out ignoring them, making the transition at that point to paying for something to do it for you was probably a bit of a jump for some folks. Yeah, totally. I actually think the economic equation was pretty straightforward, like people paying for this because they would have been wasting time on it. And it's like, yeah, you know, what's a more scarce resource than marketing ops and ops time in a company? There's very few things. So paying for it wasn't the problem. I think the challenge was to make the integrations and the setup easy enough that it didn't take a bunch of time to also implement so we spent a lot of time early on our Marketo integration, on our Eloqua integration, on our Pardot integration to make those like super easy to stand up because we knew that like ultimately ops people would look at, hey, how much time is this going to save me? And then how quickly can I like just turn this on and set it and forget it so I never have to think about email replies again? Mm. And so that was kind of your core audience, right? Or the core persona that you were going after. It was marketing ops folks. Totally. Because we said, hey, probably the CMO doesn't even know that this is a problem. So we wanted to kind of find and speak to the person that was actually sitting there and had to like deal with the inbox or, or the person that was thinking like, who should I send these emails from? Or what's going to happen when a, like a hot lead responds or, or with GDPR and all that stuff? What's going to happen when somebody replies and says, I want to unsubscribe. So we wanted to talk to people who could like understand the problem at a really tactical level. So we really tried to build the solution for those folks, which, you know, Lynn, who's on the call, can probably speak to, but we really tried to think of like the lens of the world and and how this is going to be easy for them to use. Adam couldn't have teed it up better for me. The lens of the world were going to be the true test of whether or not Sifrock was going to make an impact inside of organizations. Which brings us to Lynn herself. Lynn is Drift's marketing ops extraordinaire. And she said that in her previous roles, she found herself in the exact scenarios that Adam was describing. Yes, Adam, whatever you just said is literally what I was doing two years ago. So I was a marketing ops in my past company. That's literally my job. So we have a generic share mailbox and it was me or the marketer had to go into the mailbox and manually sift through all those replies and figure out what is the actual reply. And I actually did a calculation back then. It's like 18% of my time just to do this work where it's almost like a grunt work and there is no value to my growth, no value to my own marketing ops and learnings and literally just like spend the time looking at all the unread email and figuring out which one is actual reply that want to schedule a demo with us versus someone that are pissed off and want to unsubscribe versus 90% of the time is just out of reply. And then there is some people that actually like so like you have to jump in it right away, but because it's not 
one in our priority list. So we have to like wait maybe two, three days. And then by the time we see it, it's like, oh, wow, let's jump in. Like we should have paid more attention to that. But then at the end of the day, it's just going through the list and just saw through this ourselves. Did you hear that? Lynn said that she was spending 18% of her time sifting through these emails and handling this inbox, most of which was just noise. 18%. Another point she made that's important not to gloss over. To her, it wasn't so much that this work was tedious or she felt like she was above it. It was the opportunity cost of her own time that she could have been creating value for the business in other ways or investing in her own growth and development. As operations folks, we so often focus on the business efficiencies that we gain from different tools in our tech stack. But Lynn reminded me that it's just as important to think about the added potential for your ops team members, which in turn is always going to make your team better in the long run. So with that context in mind and this 18% of Lynn's time at stake, let's talk about what we did about it. Shortly after Drift acquired Sifrock in September of 2018, we acquired the marketing ops talents of Lynn Tan just two months later. And as someone who was coming in and starting with this tool from scratch, I wanted to get Lynn's take on how she went about learning and implementing Sifrock. The setup is pretty straightforward. So literally you have this instance, you connect the subdomain with the Sifrock, and you set up multiple workflows to command the platform to process different types of email. So out of office reply, unsubscribe or actual reply. And then when you go into this Sifra inbox, it basically just lay out all the different categories for you so that you just need to look at the actual reply that you have to jump in and respond. And Adam, how does that work? Like, how do you know which are the ones that you want to spend a sales rep or a marketing person's time on as opposed to like inside of that big pile of noise? <laughs> totally. Yeah. And there's a lot of noise, as Lynn was saying something 90% of these are going to be out of office or kind of automated bounce backs. So we have a machine learning algorithm that basically reads the emails, the subject lines, looks at the headers, and makes a determination based on the millions of replies that we've processed. What category of email does the like AI think this is? So it says it's an out of office reply, or it's a left company. If you've ever seen those where you get that bounce back, it says, hey, so-and-so is no longer with the company, please contact their replacement. Or is it like a real person with a question or you know, a uns- real person who wants to unsubscribe? So we break all those down into the categories that basically you would assign manually. We just do it with AI and automation. And then based on those categories, you have somebody like Lynn who knows how to work in Marketo, set up a workflow in Siftrock that says, hey, if we get a left the company email, add that person to this Marketo list, update these fields, And then that can kick off whatever suppression or next steps you have within Marketo. And meanwhile, the the real people, the ones who have a question or need to be addressed, you can route those to the account owner or to a salesperson to like deal with it. So you as marketing ops don't have to like write back to all those folks one-on-one. So I want to kind of separate those two main use cases out, right? One of them is like what Adam's calling like the, the real people and the real responses. And then mm-hmm. the other is like this big bucket of noise of out of office and, and auto reply. So let's start with the one that I think people are going to get the most value out of, which is the replies of real people mm-hmm. who are replying to a certain campaign yep. and they want to do something, mm-hmm. right? And so Lynn, can you give me an example of a way that we have used that at Drift to really meet people where they are, right? The whole concept of Drift as a company is that we want to meet a buyer 
where they are on their terms at the right point in time. Mm -hmm. So can you give me an example of a way we've done that? Yes. So a good example is we have this one email where we want to promote someone to book a demo with us. The email we created and sent from Marketo is like really personalized. It's like tokenized coming from the rep and there is no link in the email and it's just one question at the end, like, do you want to catch up and, and see a demo if you're interested? And it almost looked like I'm emailing you as a person, even though it's sent to a mass. And then whenever people respond, that respond, we map that reply content and subject line and who that reply back to the marketer list. And then not only it routed to the rep, but also it also tracked all those actual replies back to Marketo so that I can set up Marketo workflow to say whenever someone was added to the list in Marketo in this email reply, updated the source and, and flagged them and distributed to the rep and sync it to Salesforce. Hmm. So this works pretty seamlessly, almost like a full cycle from sending out the email, Sifra looking through all those actual reply and push all those content and, and, and subject line back to Marketo and updating their statuses and push it back to Salesforce. Like all these three platforms just like work all together to get that full cycle of a reply management. And Adam, I can see how from Lynn's perspective and from a marketing ops person's perspective, you know, not only is this saving them time, but they're then being able to pass something down further into the funnel. So what about those people that are further down the funnel when they are, you know, if we are routing this to a rep, you've had much more experience with customers who have implemented this at their companies. What does this look like from like a salesperson's perspective when this type of routing takes place and then you get your alerts or updates as a salesperson? Yeah, absolutely. So all that happens is the email gets what we call routed to them, which is it's not quite like a forward. It's like we redirect the email and then the reply to will be the actual person that wrote in. So all they have to do is just click reply and type out an email, which is great, right? Because you don't want to introduce like these extra process steps for a salesperson to like, oh, you have to like log in over here to this thing and review this queue. It's like, no, we'll just send you the emails when there's somebody who raises their hand and wants to talk. I think when we start with a lot of companies too, they're like, oh yeah, we send on behalf of our reps. And in Marketo, they tokenize the from and they send from the account owner or the lead owner. Problem with that is then you're just, you're flooding your reps with about a bunch of out of office replies. <laughs> so we basically, you know, take those off and then just send the real people who are like raising their hand and want to talk to the correct rep. So it saves them a lot of time too and, and makes it nice when they get a nice lead from marketing. Just like we mentioned Lynn gaining back time on the operations team, we were also making better use of our sales reps time as well. So often a flood of automatic notifications can just turn into white noise in our inboxes. It becomes easy for reps to just delete, delete, delete. And Lynn and the team were aiming to change that perception by routing and surfacing those positive replies directly to the team and those positive replies only. Okay, so we talked about finding those diamonds in the rough as one use case, but then you have this other big bucket of those pesky out of office replies and, hey, I no longer work here emails. We've gotta be able to do something with those too, right? Besides not routing to the rep or trigger notification and pile up and queue up, it also automatically add them into a Marketo list. So if you are unsubscribed, we have 
Marketo workflow where we automatically check their email opt-out. So there is all of this downstream management that is done between Sifrog and Marketo. And Marketo is like taking care of all those where we don't want to spend time with and on mass, like updating their profile in Marketo so that we know either they are unsubscribed or they move on to another company so that we can make sure that email was checked as invalid. Like all those operational mm. work, it will be done automatically from between Sifrog to Marketo. And as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about all the downstream effects of that. So for example, if you left all those people yeah. that you know no longer work at the company and mm-hmm. let's say you have them in some sort of nurture stream, mm. your conversion rates, your yes. everything about that audience that you're going after are going to be flawed forever mm. if you don't have those type of updates. Yeah. Which Marketo and Sifrot like work together and automatically update all this. Mm. It improves our overall email performance. All those invalid opt-out or marketing suspend get pushed back from Marketo to Salesforce so that overall database hygiene is improved mm. with these workflows. So here's the problem, right? Here's the problem I see. And Adam, you you touched on this a little bit at the beginning, right? This half of the use cases, these like database and Marketo and Mm -hmm. CRM updates, like this very squarely falls in like the unsexy project bucket when it comes to the work that ops people are doing, right? And so Adam, you were saying at the beginning, like, look, your typical CMO is probably not going to care about the fact that we updated the title of the person who was out of office, or we found their boss, or we found out that this person no longer works at the company. So How do we as ops people communicate with the CMOs or the CROs of the world the value of something like this and these like unsexy under the hood components of our marketing? Yeah, not sexy, but so practical and important, right? (laughs) I'm a very practical person. I don't have so much sizzle. So to me, it's, it's a no brainer. But I do know that it's not, yeah, it's not the first thing that the CMO or the CRO thinks about when they're coming to work in the morning, right? They're thinking about how to create more pipeline and and hiring and those kinds of things. I think ultimately, most people have success when they can show both the the risk mitigation and sort of the, the upside that you get. So the risk mitigation being like, if somebody unsubscribes and you don't take care of that in the GDPR world, that's a very like scary thing now. And also email deliverability, I think, is just a constant battle and always a risky thing. And so to the extent that you can take bad records out early and and often and and clean those up, like you're mitigating a lot of risk for for deliverability and compliance. And then obviously the the benefit is like that, you know, your sales team is going to be more efficient, your marketing emails are going to be more efficient, all that stuff. So I think people that are just able to like spell that out pretty plainly and and kind of articulate what's the lift or what's the sort of impact this can have, have success, you know, justifying the work. Week after week, our guests harp on this unsexy but critical work they are doing under the hood of these hypergrowth companies to help make them run. The work that Lynn is doing with Sifrock is no different. Let's fast forward a little bit. Adam described for us the Sifrock origin story, but For me, it's been really fun to watch its evolution internally, both as a customer and a user of Sifrock. Just like the way we use Drift at Drift, we are now customer number one of using Sifrock at Drift. And Adam, Lynn, and the entire team have sought out new use cases and introduced more advanced ways to leverage the tool, like through email bots. 
it's been really exciting because we started as this just reply management solution, which sounds very unsexy, as you kind of alluded to. And we've evolved into being more of conversational email, right? And the big piece that we've added is our email bots. And so what email bots allow you to do is when you send out an email, you can actually ask for a reply. When the person responds back, you can have a bot then take one next step with them, respond back, loop in a sales rep, right? Like have an immediate interaction back, just like a chat bot on your website. So that's been the big evolution. And it, it actually just came naturally because as people had this reply automation going on, they started to send emails that were like more plain text and more personal and kind of would end with a question instead of a link. And that just feels very natural, like as a way to communicate and as a way for people to engage with your brand. So then they started saying, well, hey, can you like have a bot or automate the, the next step so that, you know, if my sales team doesn't get to it right away or something like that happens or a little more qualification is needed. We've just kind of had customer pull around that and we've evolved the the machine learning to not just look at like, hey, was this a human reply? But what are they saying? Are they like responding positively or negatively? Are they like, do they want the offer that we're giving? Like, is this a warm lead or a cold lead? And then taking that and, and actually like automating the next action. And Lynn, that, that last piece that I'm talking about, about automating the next action is like the real value here, right? Like yeah. just figuring out, okay, was this a positive or negative response is one thing, but then doing something with that, mm-hmm. like this all sounds lovely in theory, but like, mm-hmm. how does this actually work in practice? Can you tell us about a way that we're using this at Drift? Yeah. So the email bot is actually huge and we have been using email bot for every single email that we sent out from our Marketo instant. Every uh, single email. Yes. Wow. Nurture in particular. So because it just opened a new whole new channel, like instead of clicking a link and going to another page, you can actually reply to the email and then we can identify whether this is a positive or negative, which by the way, help us on reporting on interested people so that we know and have a tighter correlation between this reply actually can result in this numbers of uh, demo being created. So it actually help us on reporting. And on top of that, we can also like automatically reply and provide the content that they ask for or route it to the rep that they, if they're interested to see a demo and know more about Drift. And all this is done from the email body and like right after maybe like zero minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes delay, d- depending on how you configure your workflow to get that reply back to the to the sender while they're still thinking about Drift as mm. they reply, yeah. And so instead of having to, let's say, click on a link in an email that takes me to a different landing page, I either have to fill something out yeah. or I have to interact with the Drift bot or something like that, I'm literally just replying in line to my, yeah. regular email that you sent to me everything in one channel and one platform so i feel like this a is like greater you uh, user experience where the user does not have to oh i have to click this link and also worry about oh is this link legit or like is this a false link and just reply to the email and then the email bot will automatically respond either with the content or register for you for the webinar or route it to a rep if they want to see a demo. And you mentioned something in, in the middle of that answer that I think is interesting is this is not just to convert people to a demo, right? Mm-hmm. You're using this for other kind of what would be considered more traditional marketing channels, yeah. but capturing folks in a different way, like registering for a webinar. Yes. So we use email bot. We actually do an A-B test. So like we test someone with the link that you can register for the webinar. And we have another test where you can just reply the email 
and say you want to register, and then we'll register you and send you the confirmation email. And that actually, a lot of people actually like also like go through the second path and say, yes, like sign me up. And then the email bot trigger and send the confirmation email and the reminder all in one channel. So you don't have to lift a finger and click the link and chat with the bot and register of your other form anymore. But rather you just like reply. So it's like one, huh. one step. And Adam, do you think that that is kind of the behavior change that we should anticipate and our audience should anticipate in the market where like we're now seeing more people just send that reply in because that's just more natural, more conversational for them? Yeah, because it's funny they were doing it even with an HTML email that doesn't look like you can reply, right? It's now, you know, once you turn your email to be plain text, more personal, right, and actually invite that reply, you definitely get people doing it because it's just so natural. Like why when you're sending me an email, do I need to click on a link, go to a landing page, fill out a form, and then wait, and then get whatever you said I'm going to get, right? Or get followed up with by a salesperson over the phone versus like I'm on the bus, you send me an email that I can just reply to and that kicks off a thread. It's a way easier thing for the, the end user. So definitely see that as just you know meeting people where they are, making it easy for them, making it super convenient for somebody to say yes. Like, why not? Why not? So to recap some learnings from Lynn and Adam there, Drift is now using the Sifrock email bots to level up every single email send at the company. What's more, Lynn is proving out the behavior through A-B tests where recipients are more likely to reply to register for a webinar than they are to click on a link and fill something out. So those replies are actually adding value to the business. And last, the use cases here can be applied to a variety of scenarios where you are prompting a reply, whether you're trying to book a demo, register for a webinar, or really just trying to be more conversational and continue to point your audience toward relevant content. And Adam, he thinks this is just the beginning. It's a little bit of a paradigm change for people. But once you start thinking in this way of like email being two-way, letting people respond, inviting them to respond, you'll come up with more. Where we probably see the best, like people gravitate toward the quickest is things related to lead follow-up. And I think the reason is that in every company I've ever worked for, it's always this point of contention between the marketing team and the sales team, like, is sales touching the leads enough? Are they touching all the leads? Are they doing it fast enough? So it lets you say, okay, sales, like you take the A leads and we'll send the B and the C leads to the email bot to handle the first couple of touches. And then when they respond back, we'll loop you in. So I think that's probably like the use case that resonates the quickest. But once you start thinking about email as this more like two-way interaction model, then I think it, it opens the door to many other things. Like we've We've sent ones that ask people, hey, can we send you a T-shirt? So you can get really creative with it and have a lot of fun with it. So I love that example that you just gave. And, you know, I am in a unique position in that I am both a customer and the host. (laughs) (laughs) And so the thing you were saying about the sales component is super interesting to me because what if I kind of pull that thread a little bit further, what I could then foresee is using this to help enable an entire BDR team or to enable an entire sales team for either those first couple of touches, or like you said, to start to kind of like stratify the leads that are coming in and have the email bot handle some versus a a rep handle some. Is that, is, am I thinking about that the right way? Yeah, exactly. Like I, probably the great scenario that we have is our hyper growth event where we're going to have thousands of people go and we probably want our sales team to follow up with all those people. But the reality is like, you don't have enough bodies to follow up with all those. So we could take 
let's say half of those leads, the ones that maybe have a lower behavioral score or we're not sure about if they fit our profile, and we could have the email bot, you know, reach out to them a few times and wait till they say, yeah, I want to talk to sales and let sales, you know, spend their time on the ones that we, you know, know are going to be a really good fit or are showing the right behavioral profile. Before we go, at the end of each show, we're going to ask each guest the same lightning round of questions. This time, we decided to split them up between Adam and Lynn. Ready? Here we go. All right, Adam, I'm starting with you. Best book you've read in the last six months? Oof, so many because of the Drift Book Club. I'm a huge book club consumer. I just grabbed three more. I just submitted for three more because I like to I like to read, you know, three or four books at the same time. I, that was a trick I learned from DC is like you can see patterns across these books and it's it's amazing. Best one I've read. God, this is a tough choice. I'll probably go with Ray Dalio's Principles. That had a big impact on me. It's a really thick book, but it's it's just a beautiful business book that talks about life principles, work principles. And he breaks it down really clearly and simply in a lot of ways. And it really resonated with me. Love it. All right, Lynn, next one's for you. Favorite part about working in ops? That I can touch us all the different business units throughout the funnel. And knowing every single campaign that is running out of marketing and be able to report and find insights and provide suggestion of like, how can we do better and improve? I'm coming back to you, Lynn. <laughs> Least favorite part about working in ops? Priority is always some of the biggest challenge because you have so many things coming at you and across all the channel and you need to give equal attention or have set prioritization of all the different things that are running and active and, and trying to build report and find out, find inside in, uh, put aside to all the different operational things. It's just like a lot of things coming at you and prioritize. Yeah. I get it. Adam, <laughs> someone who impacted you getting the job you have today. I'll go with Katie Ferris, who is the salesperson at, at Sift Rock. She led sales for us, and I worked with her in my previous company before that. I've learned a lot from her working with her. She's just such a great and unique seller that just like being on calls with her every day, every week, I learn a ton. So I always like to learn from the people that I hire, and that's one where I've hired her a couple of times and just learned a ton. Yeah, and speaking of people who know this thing inside out, Katie is at the yes. top of she the list. She actually helped me set up Sifra when earlier this year, and she's <laughs> I amazing. That. I love it. All right, this one I'm going to throw to both of you. We'll start with Lynn. Last one, one piece of advice for someone who wants to have your job someday. Don't need to worry about like, oh, I'm doing these things that it seems like really like a grunt word, but every little piece and every little detail matters to help you pull all the pictures together and come up with the like the overall strategy and help you figure out like whatever you're doing actually tie it all together and it all does make sense at the end. No task too small. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Adam, one piece of advice for people who want to have your job someday. So my job is mostly focused on on product strategy. I'd say the number one Thing that you can do to have a good point of view on any marketer to build a strategy is to be close to your customers. And it sounds cliche, but I mean, like, if I go a week without listening to several gong calls or going on ride alongs with the reps or the CSMs, I'm not doing my job. And so the earlier you can start just getting into your scene and really understanding deeply, like what your customers care about, the, the better you'll be in a role where you have to own and drive strategy.
All right, that's it. A huge thank you to Lynn and Adam for coming on the show this week to help take us through that. If you're like me, you want to see this stuff in action after hearing Lynn and Adam talk through everything. And so what I wanted to do is set something up where ops folks could give this thing a test out themselves and see how the auto replies work. So what we did was I asked Lynn to set up a very special bot for all of you to be able to send an email and get an automatic reply just to see how it works. That email will send you back a handful of templates that you could use if you wanted to put this stuff in action to yourself. Don't have to use Ziprock in order to get it. So if you want to test this out and see how the email replies work in action, send an email to caitlin at high.drift.com. That's Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N at high.drift.com. Just put the word operations in the subject line and we will send you back, the email bot will send you back an automatic reply so you can see this thing in action. I'll put the email address and the subject line in the show notes to help make it easy. But again, it's caitlin at high.drift.com, subject line operations, and you'll get some awesome templates back that you can use to try and start to make those marketing sense a little bit more conversational. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. That's going to do it for me. See you next time. 